Well, amen, everyone. Good morning. Take your Bibles, go to Genesis chapter 20. Thank you for praying for the funeral. It went well, but nobody got saved. There's a bunch of lost people there. Well, not a bunch, but there was everybody but two or three. I think Beth was saved. <laughs> well, I tell you, it's just a. Uh, I have had one of those weeks where everybody you deal with is is almost the exact same. But that's the whole world. The whole world's that way. So, anyways, uh, again, Genesis chapter 20. I was looking uh, last week at. at uh, Abimelech, let's pray first. Father, thank you for your blessings this morning. Thank you for letting us come to church. Uh, Lord, thank you for just a, uh, a place to come to that's still warm. Uh, Lord, dry that uh, everything's taken care of. Lord, you've met our needs here for uh, the last 15, 16, 17 years. Lord, just want to thank you for that. Uh, Lord, uh, thank you for uh, anybody that's on their way here that you just bless them and get them here safely. Most of all, Lord, thank you for a book that we can hold in our hands that uh, we know God direct us and uh, show us our way a path through this life, Lord, that we can follow. Uh, sure thing, Lord, a sure bet, uh, 100% of the time. Uh, Lord, again, thank you for that. Thank you for the Sunday school class. Bless this morning. Bless all the other classes. And we'll praise you and honor you in Jesus' precious holy name. Amen. Uh, uh, you're ta we're talking about Abimelech. And Abimelech is a, a picture of us. Abraham would be uh, just a, a uh, as he's going through, he's a prophet. But, uh, but uh, everybody always says, how come... How, you know, the, the pygmies in Africa, how would they get it? And, and really, Abimelech is probably one of the best ones. I wanted to cover that just a little bit better. Uh, God will always make a way. And so many times, brethren, what we do is we, we, we get ourselves in the way so much that God has no way of getting in there. The Lord has no way of getting in there. Now, sometimes we seal people's fate by the way we deal with them. Uh, I like our Bibles. It says after the first or second admonition, reject them as heretics. That doesn't mean to treat them like a heretic, but as a heretic. Uh, let them go. Let them go out there and do their thing. Uh, I mean, I've, I've been working with people for 15, 20 years sometimes, and you just let them, and they start coming back and come back and go away and come back and come back. Uh, that's the Lord dealing with them. Uh, all the people I dealt with this week, oh, man, I dealt with one. Just amazing. Uh, just, I mean, totally amazing the way the guy went across. I couldn't. Mike was up there. I had to apologize to him. Mike had to lay all the floor, most of it anyways. Well, not all of it, but a lot of it. Uh, got in the living room, and he started working by himself because I was out there preaching to the guy. A lady came across the street. She thought I was going to beat the guy up. Uh, and I'm like, no, man, I'm just preaching. I'm just preaching. But when you sit there and listen to somebody that gets so deceived uh, that you, you sit there and scratch your head like, how in the world could that possibly happen? And it, it does. It's bad enough for a lost person to be that way. But for somebody who's got a, a Bible background, and I'll say this to our church, you, you look at everything through the lenses of a Baptist, and you need to understand that. When you talk to anybody, you're looking at them through the lenses of a Baptist. So you, I can walk into a Catholic church, and about 60 70% of the stuff they say is right. I can pick out the 30 40% that's wrong. A Catholic cannot do that. Well, this guy I talked to, uh, what was it, Friday? Where was it, Friday? He was a Baptist. He sit in Baptist churches in this town. He got saved in a Baptist church in this town, and now he's Roman Catholic. I call him everything but human, uh, and I was, I was gentle, kind of, maybe. <laughs> Mike's laughing. <laughs> uh, I'm like, you're, you're an idiot. You're deceived. I mean, I could look at that guy right in the face and say, look, you are deceived. There's no doubt in my mind you are deceived. 
Oh, but I just like the hierarchy when I go in there. When I, uh, I told him this. When we went over to um, uh, France and Italy and Spain and, and all those places, I went into all the big Catholic cathedrals just to look at them. They got a lot of nice art and, and work. They got all these gargles around the top, you know, for drainage. But, I mean, what would you put demons around the top of your church for? I have no idea, but, you know, they do it anyways. Uh, and all the Baptists, you know what amazed me is all the Baptist guys that they would come out of Texas and all these young guys who didn't know a whole lot about anything. Uh, they do know a Bible's the word of God, I guess, but that's about all they knew. Uh, they would always say, how come our churches aren't like this? How come our churches don't look like this? Expecting, I guess, gain to be godliness. And I'm like, what's wrong with you guys? I said, this is, this is just a facade that they put out here to make it look holy and make it look pure. And that's what this guy was saying. He goes, well, I like the, uh, the leadership in a Catholic church and the, the, uh, the administration and everything that's laid out. And he starts going to some of the Baptist churches, and he goes, and this Baptist church had that problem. And these two people, I knew both people that he was talking about. He said, these two people, the pastor and the guy that was with him, messed up. And, and now the, he said the two are so far off from each other that he said you can't even get to the one. Now the one guy has went way out, the younger guys went way out, and he's uh, into uh, let's just get him in any way we can and do whatever we got to do to get him in and all this other stuff. And, and that is not God. we got to stop somewhere and realize that the Word of God is what's going to change somebody. Uh, and it's the Holy Spirit that's going to change them. Uh, and not get frustrated if you preach something. Jeremiah preached his whole life, and it was just him when it was all said and done. Uh, I mean, you never know really what's going to be said. We had a young man here in church, uh, and he was approached by somebody else from another church, and they told him that I hated him, that I didn't love him, that this church don't love him, blah, 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 blah. And he looked at the kid and said, you're out of your mind, man. I said, my church loves me. My, my family loves me. My pastor loves me. And he goes, I'm done with you. And I thought, now that is good. You know what that shows me right there? That he's heard some things, he understands some things, and he's man enough to make a choice between some things. I said, that's good, man. I, I haven't got a chance to see him. I'm going I'm to sit down and talk to him, man. I might even take him out to dinner, too. I mean, it's, it's one of those things where the Word of God will change somebody, but you just got to give them time. So here's Abimelech. Abimelech is just a man. He's, he's not a uh, modern man will give account in the day of judgment for every word that God spoke, ever spoke. Abimelech, uh, when you sit there and look at him, uh, verse uh, 3 there, it says, But God came to Abimelech in a dream, and I mentioned this last time, by night. Uh, he said, thou art, Behold, thou art but a dead man. Uh, we don't have to worry about a dream at night. Uh, I got a book that I can read, and this book, what it will do is it will put thoughts in your head that you would probably prefer the dream at night. Uh, but uh, this is a great book. I mean, the more you read this thing, the more it goes in and washes. Wherewithal, I love that verse right there. Wherewithal shall young man cleanse his ways. By taking heed thereto according to, not a dream, not, not what somebody else said, but thy word, thy book, the book. The book is the answer to the whole thing. Uh, it isn't me. That, that guy I was talking to the other day, it got right down to, I'd say, because he kept saying, well, a Baptist do this. And I said, look, guy, I said, I believe the Bible's the word of God. I, I use the Bible. I said, you show me the Bible where I'm wrong, I will change, will you? He shut his mouth. Right there, he shut his mouth. I stuck my finger in his face. I said, look, you, and I said, I will answer for everything I just said to you. I will answer to Jesus Christ one day. I can stand before Jesus Christ with all my heart, with all my intent. That's why he says, come boldly into the throne of grace. Because you have, you have a singular thing sitting in front of you that they say, oh, there's, there's, uh, there's conflicts, there's, there's, uh, there's errors in here, there's contradictions. And I'm like, okay, show me one. I can't, they can't. He said, oh, so you're one of those guys who rightly divide. 
Uh, yes, I am. Uh, I said, uh, you get the Old Testament says, go to Bethel and transgress. I don't think that's a very good idea, but that's what he said. So if you take it literally what he said in the Old Testament, and I do that, that, that would be like me go to church and just, just spit all over it and trash it and do whatever I want to do and transgress or sin right in the middle of the church if I'm going to bring it up to date where I'm at. No, that's an Old Testament verse. Uh, he told, he told uh, in, I think it's Habakkuk, uh, uh, the just shall live by his faith. Well, Paul says over in the New Testament, just shall live by faith. Two different things. It seems like a contradiction. No, it's an Old Testament versus New Testament. Right and dividing shows you the difference. But when you start getting into the thing, you, the guy said, oh, so you believe this, you believe this. I said, yeah. We started talking about the Catholic Church. And I said, hey, the Catholic Church is wrong. I said, first of all, you're looking at it through the lens, and I mentioned this a few minutes ago, you're looking at it through the lens of a Baptist. You were raised in Baptist churches. You got frustrated and mad at some Baptist churches, so you chunked the Baptist churches, and you think, it goes, yeah, I'm ecumenical now. I'm just, I, I, and you go to Catholic Church. I said, you're a moron. You're worse than a moron. You're, just, you're deceived. You're a deceived moron. Uh, I was about as gracious as I could be uh, because I said, look, I was born and raised Roman Catholic. You don't have a clue what you're talking about. You're thinking the Catholic Church is all this really, really nice stuff, and those people are all dying and going to hell, and you don't care. I said, what you should do is be on the outside trying to win them, but you're not on the outside. You're in the middle of this thing because you got offended somewhere. You know, the worst thing you'd ever do is get offended. Man, you shouldn't never get offended about nothing. You should just let it roll off your back. Uh, I let it roll off my back. You know, if you can't be around somebody, don't be around them, but don't get offended, man. Just let the thing go. Uh, heathen are obligated to follow their conscience. You know what a lost person does? All they have is their conscience. And when you sear that conscience, you are, you are destroying your chance to get to God. And the Holy Spirit is always dealing with lost people. I'm, countless story after story. After, uh, I got a book, uh, uh, Cannibal Valley, where the, they come out there night after night after week after week on their knees praying. They didn't know what they were praying to. They were just out in the middle of the field, a bunch of uh, pygmies out there. I don't know, pygmies, uh, uh, aborigines. No, those are in uh, uh, Australia. Whatever they were, the, the uh, people over in Papua New Guinea, and they would eat each other's tribes. They'd eat each other and do all kinds of crazy stuff. And they're out there praying. And they're sitting there saying, hey, God finally learns the language. Says, what were y'all out there on your knees for? They were praying for God to send somebody, the great God, the great sky God, to send somebody to tell them what the truth was. You know what God did? He sent them a missionary. God got, his, got the language down, be able to talk to him, want him to Christ. You say, what is that? That's what God does. The Lord can foresee your heart. I told that guy the other day. I said, I should have never took the chief. He was a Marine. I'm like, a Marine? I said, oh, I, better not, I better watch what I say here. They always call sailors, everybody calls sailors certain things. But I'm telling you what, I, I, I'm, a, I'm more impressed with sailors than I have ever been in my life. They are a bunch of the hard, they're like bikers. Sailors are like bikers, man. They just don't flat care. I mean, what are you going to do to a sailor? You're going to throw me on a ship, put me in the middle of the ocean where sharks can eat me? What are you going to do to me worse than that? You're going to take me away from my family, my dog, my cat, everybody, my friends, and everything else? Put me out in the middle of the ocean with a bunch of men, and i got to sit there and look at them? Now there's no telling what you got on the ship. Uh, transgenders, I mean, you a girl coming down, you don't know if she's coming down, you don't know what she is. You don't know what it is. As a matter of fact, you don't know what he is. Uh, the Miss America. I, I seen on the news the other day, Miss America. I hate bringing politics. Really, but it's just, dude, we're in an insane world, Miss America. Miss America, there was a girl that was a guy that became a girl that almost made Miss America. I'm like, first of all, Miss America's all wrong anyways from the get-go. But for a, a guy to become a girl, 
I don't even understand. The Olympics, guys become girls so they could win. That's the only reason they do that, is that they can't win as men when they go up men against men, so they have to become girls so they can go up and beat girls up. There's something wrong with somebody like that, but the, the whole world is crazy. But Navy guys, uh, they're, just, they're just different. I was sitting there talking to this Marine the other day. I'm like, you guys are supposed to be like, to me, I would envision you as somewhere between a Navy guy and a Navy SEAL. And it's just not that way. They're almost, they're all, they seem to be effeminate now. Uh, they're not, you're supposed to go out and lay in the mud and kill people. I don't understand that. I just look at the guy and I say, I don't understand that. And, and you're, well, I'm a, I'm a Christian of faith. I'm like, no, you're not. I told him, I looked right at him. I said, you know what, brother, if you get your Bible down the way you should, I looked at this guy and said, look, I am like here. Now, to most people that I run with, I'm like down here and they're out here. I said, guy, I'm like right here and you're here. I said, you're an idiot. I said, I know more than you ever will know because you're an idiot. And I said, you could know that. You just won't know it. You don't want to know it. Uh, he, he's, he's talking about the, I said, you know the Eucharist, right? The, the, the priest holds it up and, and he says, and he turns it into the body of Christ. Yeah, you take that by faith. I'm like, you are nuts. I, he goes, well, you take Jesus Christ coming out of the ground by faith. I said, that's God. <laughs> I said, that's God, not a priest. That's God. I said, two totally different things. He made the universe. He made you. He made me. He can do whatever he wants to do. The priest, you're telling me the priest has that power? And you say it's by faith? No, you're a sucker. Uh, you know what? The, the heathen has a conscience. He's, the guy started to defile his conscience to the point where over in Romans chapter 1, he's going to go down to, oh, man, then I had Bible class Thursday night. And a biker came in, and he left after about 10 minutes. Uh, how do you talk about the wrath of God nicely? There's just no way, man. So I just start going off on the wrath of God. God's just going to burn everything, man. This guy gets all up. Why? Because he's a chaplain of a biker group, and he thinks that, you know, I said, no, no, go in there and tell them about Jesus Christ and see what will happen. They'll kick you out of the biker group. Uh, the conscience, your conscience is the key to everything. A lost person, when we were lost, we had a conscience. And our conscience let, led us to the goodness of God leaded thee to repentance. He kept dealing with us and dealing with us. And you didn't harden your heart or you, you let your conscience go. And the Lord started showing you things in the world. And somehow, some way, one day he got you to a place where you trusted Jesus Christ. But once you trust Jesus Christ, our problem is, is we look at everybody else through the lenses of what Jesus did for us, and he may not have done that to them yet. So they're all not good people like you. They are good. There are some good people. I'm not saying they're all bad, but they're lost. And you got to remember they're lost. You got to remember you were lost one day, and then you got saved. They are lost, and they need to get saved. And you know what you have to do sometimes? You got to be a little rough with them. Uh, heathen, heathen are obligated to follow their conscience. They have to. They have nothing else. Abimelech was uh, sleeping. The Lord sat there and said some things to him in a dream. He woke up and he goes, whoa, it bothered him. It bothered him really bad. Uh, they are born and live without enough light, uh, with, with enough light to know right from wrong. God gives us inside of our body that, that ability to see that we, there's something missing. There's something missing. You know, after you get saved, uh, once you get saved, you'll realize there's something else missing. And it's, it's how to be a servant. Uh, if, you ever, if you ever get to that point where you start realizing that, hey, I'm, I'm to be a servant. And I, told, I think I told him the other day and maybe somebody else that the hardest thing we'll ever do in life is let go of this body. Let go of our lives. Let go of your life. The hard, and, and so that's why it takes 50, 60 years sometimes to do that. Uh, it'd be great if you could do it at 30 or 40 years old. But now the world... 
has so much stuff out there that pulls us and draws us. Uh, this guy, this guy is telling him that, and he goes, oh, so I guess you're one of these people who are against alcohol together. I said, yes. I said, I'm a Bible believer, guy. I said, I'm not, I don't, I'm not just somebody who thinks what I want to think. I, I got a Bible sitting in front of me. He goes, well, you know, these, uh, Jesus turned water into wine. They all say the same thing. They never change. They all say the same thing. I'm like, yeah, he did, but he didn't say he drank it. I said, I'll, I'll give you that. Let's go this route. Let's say that he turned those six firkins of water, barrels of water, into actual wine, hooch. And it was the best that was ever on this planet. Because if he made something, I think it's going to be the best that you could ever have. But let's just say it was hooch. He didn't say he drank it. He does say give a little wine for that often and infirmity's sake, medicinal purposes. He does say that. I said, but if you go over to 1 Timothy chapter 3, and he goes, huh? I said, you ever read your Bible? He goes, yeah, I've read it. You know, it just doesn't stick in my mind like you're, you're, you're squirting it out right there. I said, yeah, but I said, you ought to go read 1 Timothy 3. I said, you got bishops, don't you? And he goes, yeah. I said, well, it says deacons cannot be given to much wine. I knew what he's going to say. See, much. How do you know how, what that is? I said, that's not a whole lot. Not much. I didn't say they couldn't be given to some. I said, much. I said, but bishops can't be given to any. Boy, his eyes got this big and his mouth went like that. I said, and the Catholic church every Sunday morning, man, they'll get up there. Oh, that's priests. I'm like, you are an idiot, man. I said, how do you, you know what it is? The, the lost people, I, I can deal with a Catholic priest lost better than I can with somebody like that. Because he's already been given the truth and rejected it. Uh, a Catholic priest or a Catholic, a good Catholic, moron, a moron, a moron, I keep wanting to say moron, a moron, I, I, I try to correct that because they're really, they're people too. Uh, uh, moron lives matter. I mean, more, Mormon lives matter. <laughs> Jehovah's Witness lives matter. They all matter. Baptist lives matter. Uh, everybody's lives matter. I think everything, <laughs> oh, John, guys of John's story, him and Levi have some serious issues. So y'all need to pray for them. But we were in their, uh, the house up there, and the upstairs they did the ceilings. It's all white, and uh, it used to be all pink. And he goes, white ceilings matter. I mean, John, uh, he goes out to his work out there and, and everything because he's against the Black Lives Matter movement. Not that he's against Black Lives Matter, but that everything matters, and everybody says it doesn't. But anyways, as you get back to this, if I don't get back to this, we're going to be in trouble. Uh, wherefore, they are, uh, he says, where they are feeble-minded or insane, God has a plan. A little baby, everybody's always worried about babies uh, being aborted, and I, I, um, it's a sad thing. But to think about that thing for a few minutes, an aborted baby, if, if I think, I personally think, at, at, at once an umbilical cord attaches a woman's womb, that child becomes a living soul right there. Could be wrong. I mean, science and everything else, if you lay it all out Bible, uh, what happens to that baby at that moment happened to Adam, happened to Eve, happened to every single one of them the same way. Uh, once oxygen is interjected into that, that, that human life, at that point is where it became a living soul. Well, a baby has got oxygen in it or is growing, somehow gets oxygen, but it's not breathing it, not taking it in until it actually attaches the umbilical cord to the woman's uterus. At that point, that thing comes, the oxygen and everything starts coming through that and the baby starts growing. Right there, it, it becomes a living soul. Well, if, if that's the case, then that baby is life, and, and you got to load. So uh, it says right here, it says, uh, if uh, that, they abort that child and that child is born, or somewhere along the line, that child goes right to heaven. No ifs, ands, or buts about it, man, right to heaven. It's not accountable. It does not understand the law. Somebody's feeble-minded. Uh, so people always say, well, why? Why do they, they get into the New Testament and they don't realize that God's already worked all that stuff out. And there is ways for people to get in 
that otherwise could not get in. But if you're normal and healthy and have a brain, your conscience is going to work. And it's going to tell you, don't do this. Don't do this. You know why you read your Bible? Because you see all those stories all the way through. You know what David did? He got under conviction. And the Lord straightened some things out in his life. You know what Abimelech did? He got under conviction. The Lord straightened some things out in his life. Pharaoh's, the Lord showed him some stuff, straightened some things out in his life. Nebuchadnezzar uh, got under conviction. He had a dream. He called Daniel, and Daniel showed him some, straightened some things out of his life. Then you get into the New Testament, you get in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and all the way through there, everything the Lord does, he's trying to get their conscience. Some of them have got seared consciences, and he's trying to open them back up, and he does after a while. The Pharisees and scribes never did. Uh, so uh, where they follow their conscience, God gets the gospel to them. Always does. If they do. He's not obligated, I don't believe, to bring the gospel to anybody if he foresees. And I was going to say that a few minutes ago, too. If he foresees out there that you are not going to do, he knows. I told this Marine that the other day. I think he caught on what I was saying. God sees every possibility. You know there's hundreds of millions of possibilities in your life. Every moment in your life, every time you make a decision, there was other. When you make a decision, you chose something over something else. That's, a, that's a, called a decision. You made a, a point in your life. Well, if you had 15 or 20 things to decide, then those 15 or 20 things would have went out, and there would have been 15, 20, 30, 40 other possible decisions in each one of those. And then you choose those, and there could be another 50. Pretty soon there could be millions of decisions that you could possibly make. If the Lord sees all that, which I think he does, and he knows in all of that right there, you're not going to do what right. He doesn't have to get you nothing. And you'll get to heaven and he'll show you every bit of that stuff. And he goes, there is nowhere out there you would have ever done anything. I, I didn't send nothing to you. Well, you never sent the gospel to me. You never even thought about it. You never even wanted it. Whatever was in front of you, like the grass and the trees and the stars, you never even considered it. So I'm not obligated to do that. But you get somebody say, where did that grass come from? Boy, the moment you say that. You say, no way. Oh, take your Bible over to Daniel. This is a freebie. I like Daniel. Daniel is a cool book. I like the way the Lord just waits on us. So we always want to blame God for everything. And it's really not. Daniel chapter 4, I believe. Two, two, six, five, four. Here we go. Yeah, uh, verse 19, 419. He had this dream of a tree and all this other stuff and it's being cut down, bam, put around him. Then Daniel, whose name was Belteshazzar, verse 19, was astonished for one hour. And his thoughts troubled him. The king spake and said, Belteshazzar, uh, let not the dream or the interpretation thereof trouble thee. Belteshazzar answered and said, my lord, the dream be to them that hate thee, and the interpretation thereof to thine enemies. The tree that thou sawest, which, thou, which grew strong, uh, and height reached unto the heavens, and the sight thereof all the earth, whose leaves were fair, and the fruit uh, thereof much, and, and it was uh, meat for all, from which da 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 da. Verse 22, O, it is thou, O king, thou art grown and become. So he goes on. And he goes, This is the interpretation, then, uh, uh, Verse 27, he says, Wherefore, Daniel's still talking, he says, Wherefore, O king, let my counsel be acceptable unto thee, and break off thy sins by righteousness, and thine iniquities by showing mercy to the poor. It may be the lengthening of thy tranquility. He lasted 12 months, verse 28, and it came to pass, 
It came upon the king, uh, and all this came upon King Nebuchadnezzar at the end of 12 months. He walked in the palace of his kingdom of Babylon. The king spake and said, is, could not resist it. You know what? A lost person cannot, you, you, can, you can do it for a while, but you cannot resist it. But the Lord will wait. Lord will wait. He'll tell you exactly what you're going to do because and, and, he's already seen you do it. Uh, at the end of 12 months, he walked in the palace of the kingdom of Babylon. The king spake and said, is not this great Babylon that I have built uh, for my house of the kingdom of my uh, kingdom by my might and power and my power uh, and for the honor of my majesties. While the words was in the king's mouth, there fell a voice from heaven saying, O king, and there it goes. It goes right on down. He gets exactly what uh, Daniel said. Uh, the Lord sits there. He knows all the options. He knows all the avenues that's going to happen. Uh, he gave him a dream, said this is going to happen. Why? It's already happened. I see the end from the beginning, and there's nothing you can do to stop it. Uh, because those are the decisions you're going to make. And you got to sometimes sit there and go, well, the lost person, that conscience that God gives you, he gives you that thing sitting there so he can help guide you through the correct decision process to get you to the place. And I, think he, I thank God for that all the time. I look back on the back portion of Luke Kentucky and say, how did you get me here? This, 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 and you did that, 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 that. And you got on that back porch and after reading the Bible and you knew you were lost and you, you say, well, you were in a Catholic church. Yeah, man, I thank God for being in a Catholic church. They at least taught me that there was a God. I wasn't, it wasn't the school system. I mean, it's, it's a Catholic church. It's messed up. And it's, it's, I mean, extremely messed up. I was Catholic. I mean, I know what it was. And I'm, my, my brother-in-law called me today. Well, he called my wife. He didn't call me. Thank God he didn't call me. Uh, but the phone rings this morning, best talking to him. He's down in, in uh, uh, Atlanta, Georgia. And he sits there and said, you know, the Catholic Church is messed up. Catholic, staunch Catholic. And I'm going, you're absolutely right, it's messed up. All you got to do is, if, you, if we all sit here and say, here's where the problem comes in, this is a book. If we all just have what we think, that's okay, but we're all going to be different. But if you have one authority, and you lay that authority out in front of you, and you say, oh God, then he can take this thing and start dealing with your conscience, and he can get you to salvation in a heartbeat. That's what he does. He says, where, uh, where they follow their conscience, God, he gets gospel to them. Somehow he got the gospel. I'm no different in, before 1980 than uh, a, a tribal a person in any place, uh, America, an Indian. I don't care who they are. Uh, somebody in New York. <laughs> I don't care who they are, where they're at. San Francisco. How about San Francisco? Uh, I mean, you, you can get saved, I believe, in San Francisco. It does have the crookedest street in the world in it. Uh, but... Uh, where, where they do not, they are judged for violating their conscience. Your conscience was violated. You chose to do that. Uh, they chose, uh, uh, Abimelech is the perfect example of that. When you start looking at your Old Testament, people say, well, how does God deal with this? Right there's your example. He did exactly what he was supposed to do. Uh, he took what he knew. He still had enough character left that he knew what right and wrong was. And when a voice gave him the thought and a dream, his conscience was still soft enough, his heart was still soft enough that the conscience could talk to him and he could understand what he's doing. And the next day, guess who he talked to? He talked to the Lord the next day. He didn't have to go through, through uh, Abraham or anybody. He talked to the Lord. You know the lesson all the way through your Bible is? You have an opportunity to talk to Jesus Christ anytime you want to. Anytime. Come boldly into the throne of grace. That's Hebrews. Anytime you want to. If you don't, what you're doing is you're, you're wasting an opportunity for guidance. That's what we do. And I can't believe it, man. I tell you what, I, I'm sitting there going, Lord, we, how much time in my life have I wasted that I could have been like Daniel praying three times a day? 
Uh, I know I had life to take care of, and I know, but this is where I'm at in 60, 64. He goes, okay, what are you going to do about the rest of your life? You're still going to continue on doing it. So you know what you ought to do? Pray three times a day. Well, if you can't do three times, why don't you start out with one and just see how it works? And I'm sitting there going, man, that thing is, you know what his blessing was? <laughs> that, yeah, that young man who said that the other day, he's got two brothers in the church here, and both of them were out to go beat the guy up too. <laughs> I mean, it's like once you start working with people's hearts and they get the truth, they understand it. And then they start taking, taking the thing like it's theirs. And I was sitting back saying, Lord, I didn't have to do a thing in this thing. Really, I didn't. There was no, I mean, they all made the right decision. And, and that's exactly what you want to look like. That's, that's your conscience, your pride, whatever you want to throw in on top of it. Uh, family, the blood, who cares? It's all the same. Uh, lost people are just as lost as some of the American bishops and priests, especially, except uh, possibly not quite as damned. You, there's a different damnation when you get the truth and you reject it. Uh, oh, here's, a, I like this one right here. Go to uh, Jeremiah, uh, Jeremiah 40. In, in 36, Jeremiah uh, had a role, and he sent it to the king. King burned it. Got the truth and burned it. Uh, they all died, man. Every one of them died. They just all died. Uh, they had the word of God, and God rejected them. But Jeremiah, uh, in chapter, 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 chapter 40, this is a lost, lost man. Chapter 40, verse, oh, we'll start in one. The word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord after that uh, Nebuzar Adam, Adam, uh, uh, the captain of the guard, had let him go from Ramah when he had taken him uh, being bound in chains among all that were carried away captive of Jerusalem and Judea, which were carried away captive unto Babylon. And the captain of the guard took Jeremiah and said unto him, uh, the Lord thy God hath pronounced this evil upon this place. Now the Lord hath brought it and, and done it and done according as he had said, because he had uh, because ye have sinned against the Lord. This is a lost man, and hath not obeyed his voice. Therefore, this thing is come upon you. And now behold, I loose thee uh, this day from the chains which were upon thy hand. If it seem good unto thee to come with me into Babylon, come. And I will look well unto thee, but if it seem ill unto thee uh, to come with me into Babylon, forbear, behold, all the land is before thee, whither it seemeth uh, good and convenient for thee to go thither go. A lost man got more out of God through his conscience. And, and Nebuchadnezzar told him, said, let Jeremiah go, because Jeremiah prophesied all this stuff. The king read it. Uh, they knew all that Jeremiah had said. And they said, look, he, he said this was going to happen. It happened just like he said it was going to happen. They said, that guy's got a man of God. The words that we say sometimes mean absolutely nothing. Our actions mean everything. Jeremiah was willing to get thrown into a pit. Jeremiah was willing to stand up and say no. That's why I think that young man uh, did a wonderful thing, because he, he stood up against something that, that in this day and age, you just don't see people standing up against. But here's a lost man. A couple chapters back. Go back to 30, 36 real quick. And you can just see the difference between having the word of God, your conscience, your conscience is everything. Uh, verse 23, 23. And it came to pass that when uh, Jehuda had read the three or four leaves, uh, that's the king, he cut, it, uh, he cut it with a pen knife and cast it into the fire 
that was on the hearth until all the roll was consumed in the fire that was upon the hearth. Yet uh, they were not afraid, nor rent their garments, neither the king nor any of the servants that had heard all these words. They had the word of God. That's what Jeremiah sent him. Uh, then the Lord down in 32 says, Then took Jeremiah another roll and gave it to Baruch. He said, uh, verse 28, Take thee again another roll and write it in all the former things uh, wherein was in the first roll. And, and down in verse 32, it says, uh, at the very end of the verse, it says, And there were added besides unto them many like words. He added more to the word of God at that particular point. And he sent it back to the king. The king rejected it, and they all went into captivity and died. Uh, Jeremiah did exactly what the Lord said do, and his conscience got him, and, he, and Jeremiah survived. And the, the captain's guard, the captain of the guard, he got him out. And it's just, it's all by conscience. It's conscience. Uh, Abimelech's conscience was dealing with him. I like Dr. Roman said this right here. I thought, was, I, I definitely wanted to read this one. Where do all the heathen go? Does anybody know? They go to Wal Walgreens, Sears, Holiday Inn, First National Bank, Walmart, McDonald's. <laughs> That's where lost people go. You know what this world is full of is lost people. And we have an opportunity to reach them and go out and, and work with them, but we got to do it the way the Lord said do it. Uh, the, the way, like I'll tell you that Marine, when I was talking to him the other day, he's absolutely right. Uh, we'll come up under somebody or somebody will come up under somebody else and they'll think they have a better idea and they'll want to go out and do it their way. And it never worked before. It hasn't worked up to this point. It ain't going to work in the future. It's just going to get worse. Uh, Joel Osteen. I mean, uh, I, have to, I have to be on his side. Uh, I guess about six or seven years ago, they lost $400,000 or, or $600,000. Somebody sold $600,000 out of his safe. And it just disappeared. And they never did find it. And they couldn't find any evidence of where it went. And they found it. They found all $600,000 of it. And I heard a Baptist the other day say, well, you know, uh, they're going to get Joel Osteen now. They're going to lock him up. Well, Joel Osteen, if, if it happens the way it does here, he never had access to those safes. Those safes, now you could blame Jerry. You could blame Mike. Uh, you could probably blame George. Uh, but you'd have to find somebody who has access to the safes. Well, anyways, the plumber came in, if you haven't heard this yet. A plumber came in, and he went to fix one of the toilets in the, in the bathroom in one of the bathrooms in that con uh, compact coliseum. And he had to take the bathroom off the wall. And when he did, he had to move some insulation around, and all these envelopes fell out of the wall. And there was $600,000, $200,000 in cash, and $400,000 in, in checks and money orders in this wall. The question is how to get in the wall. I don't care. Uh, he was trying to blame Joel Osteen. I seriously doubt Joel Osteen had anything to do with that. Uh, it may. It may have. He may be in cahoots with somebody, and they said put it in the wall. The question is how to get in the wall and all this other stuff. But, but you can't guarantee what anybody will do, saved or lost, in a world. Uh, we're sitting in a world that just is crazy anymore, uh, but that's what lost people do. And saved people do the same thing. Your conscience, what I'm trying to get at is your conscience has to remain open all the time. You can't let that thing get seared. If you do, the moment you shut your conscience off, then God is done dealing with you. Whether you're lost, he'll turn saved people over reprobate mind just as well as a lost person. I think you can go, I watched my dad, I'm telling you, I've watched him 30 years. I thought he was lost. He was lost. He was probably miserable the whole 30 years, but he was a better drunk than anybody's seen. I think a saved person will, will be worse than a lost person uh, if they go back into the world because they're going to try to be something that they're not natural to be at anymore. They're saved. They're not, they're not supposed to be in the world like that. Uh, any heathen can follow his conscience. Uh, any heathen who follows his conscience will wind up at Calvary. I believe that. 
I don't believe you can go out there and look at a piece of grass in our in the front. Well, we have all black time now, so we'll go over here. I don't believe you can go over here and look at a piece of grass and not be honest with yourself and say, where did that thing come from? Well, it come from the ground. Oh, yeah, but where did it come from beyond that? It had to come from a seed. Where did the seed come from? Another piece of grass. But you take a thing all the way back, where did the first blade of grass come from? Uh, you're saying it just happened, and, it, and now it's covered the whole planet. I just can't believe that. Uh, and the Lord says, yeah, that's right. Where did it come from? And that little conscience inside your head will just say, where did it come from? Have you ever thought about that? And then you start thinking with that gray matter you got in your head. And you start thinking, your whole Bible is sitting in front of you to show you that God is who he says, in the beginning, God. No question. I'm not trying to prove nothing to you. I'm trying to help you. I didn't have to give you a Bible to start with, but I'm going to do that. In the beginning, God, do you believe that? I remember when he told me that. He said, do you believe that? I said, yeah. I had to stop and think about that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Do I believe that? Yeah, I believe that. Are you willing to bet your life on it? Yes, I am. Are you positive? Yes, I am. Are you 100%? Yes, I am. I said, I only have another option. That's evolution. And if I throw evolution out, then that throws everything, all the possibilities down through time with all the evolution. I seen a guy there, do dinosaurs really exist on the planet? Oh, yes, they did. Well, how do you know that? You weren't here when it happened. How do you know it wasn't before the planet was in the... And they don't get that. If you, if you throw God out and you go with evolution, there's so many different variables out there. After a while, I just get totally confused. You can't keep up with it. You have to almost funnel that thing down. And when he says, Paul, if you look at the Apostle Paul, the greatest Christian that ever lived, gave his life up. And when he's done, he's in a prison cell in Rome getting ready to get his head cut off and he writes Titus. And you sit there and he writes 1st uh, first, uh, uh, 2nd Timothy. And you sit there and watch that thing and you say, here's a man that could have had everything and he let it all go. And he got down so he could just do what God wanted him to do. And he messed up a couple times. But he did what God wanted him to do and, and he knew that I want to give God everything I got. And he let everything else go and 14 New Testament books that you out of 66 that man wrote. Because he gave, the hardest thing we'll ever do is follow that conscience let that thing guide and direct our hearts into what? Trust in the Lord with all thy heart. Lean not on thy own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. That's Abimelech. Abimelech just did exactly that. Uh, then, then go over to, uh, uh, back to Genesis real quick. And here's something else that's, that's kind of interesting. Genesis chapter 20. He's a prophet. Abimelech, Abimelech seen Abraham do some things to him that just should not have, have happened. Uh, and verse 7. Now therefore restore the man his wife, for he is a prophet. You know prophets sometimes mess up? Abimelech, from Abimelech's point of view, Abraham lied to him. Abraham deceived him. Abraham almost killed him, got him killed. Uh, and the Lord says, yeah, but he's my prophet. That's us, man. <laughs> Have you ever messed up? Really ever messed up? The gifts and calling to God are without repentance. He, he doesn't, okay, you know what you got to do? You got to get up and you got to keep on going. Well, I'm sure glad Abraham got up and kept on going. Uh, the next, the next chapter, he has a little boy named Isaac. Isaac has a son named Jacob. Jacob has 12 sons. Judah comes out of that, and down the line comes Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, and I get to go to heaven. Now, if Abraham would have quit, I told Beth on the way over here this morning, 
I, I was talking, I said, you know, I think I'm going to go plant my whole backyard full of juniper trees. I said, that way I can go out in my backyard just about any spot and crawl under one and just whine and cry. <laughs> I said, I won't have to go too far. I'll just have juniper trees everywhere. I don't know if juniper trees grow in this area or not, but I said, you know, it's, it's an amazing thing, though, but the Lord says, get up. Come on, Elijah, get up. Come on. Okay, I'm going to let you lay there for a while, get some strength back, but after a while, you're going to have to get back up. There's no, there's no discharge, man. You can't quit. You can't quit. There's no quitting place. There's no retirement. You got to just get up and go. And we mess up. And Abraham had to look at Abimelech and walk away knowing that he, he's the one who caused the problem. We do cause problems sometimes. We do do that. You know what we got to do? We got to let the thing go. Abimelech knew he was a liar. Abimelech knew that there was a problem with him, but he still let him go. It's a blessing, man, to have a prophet. Uh, when he just sit there, and he goes on after that, and he goes, uh, ver verse uh, 8, Therefore Abimelech rose early in the morning, called his, all his servants, and told all these things in their ears, and the men were sore afraid. Their conscience, even Abimelech's men and the people that followed him, knew that God, back in that day, the, uh, that God was still prevalent enough that he still had a movement through the Gentile nations. Uh, brothers, we're at a place today where that's not really true, but... In our lives, we are now the light of this world. And when we're taken out of here at the rapture, that thing is going to be darkness like you wouldn't believe. But until then, we have the opportunity. I did notice this when I saw that Marine, is that when I started being confident about what I knew and what I believed, he shut up and listened. And he stayed there. He could have left any time he wanted and I just kept saying, you're deceived. And I could see his eyes, right face, eye to eye. You know what's wrong? Most of us won't get in nobody's face and tell them the truth. We try to skirt around that thing all day long. We're eliminating God out of the picture. I am an introvert. You won't believe that, but I really am. I'm an introvert. But I have learned over the years how to come out of that shell and actually say what needs to be said. People say, oh, wait, I had to come in. I apologize. Like, Don't apologize to me. Well, he was doing all the work. I didn't feel too bad because he looked good, man. I mean, it's, it's almost done. Uh, I tried to get him to stay till midnight, but he wouldn't do it. It would have been done if he'd stayed. But, uh, I mean, it's, and, and John was helping. John was inside. I felt sorry for John. Here comes John home. I said, John, this guy came over here, and uh, he said he's your friend. He goes, he's not my friend. And I said, well, he said he's your friend. He just wants to stop by and say hi. He goes, oh, he's this, he's that, he's that, blah, blah, blah. But I said, I, I think I've run your friend off. <laughs> and John didn't care at all. But I'm sitting there going, Lord, here's a guy, he's telling me this, and who's going to stop him from what he's saying? Brother, we got to get to the point somewhere where we, we tell them what it is, and Abraham messed up here, and the Lord had to come in. Abraham could have easily, you know what Abraham did here? He didn't trust God. He should have walked up to Abimelech and said, hey, this is my wife, blah, 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 we're down here because of the famine. Uh, if the Holy Spirit was working in Abimelech's life like it was here, could not he have worked the same way before? What the problem with Abraham was trust, but Abraham still has to learn. Brother, you got to learn, I got to learn, we all got to learn to trust God, no matter how you look at it. When you go through your Bible, I don't care whether you go to Genesis, Revelation, you could go to Titus, Timothy, you go to any book you want to go to. Every bit of that stuff is if you don't take that thing and trust it. If you don't have a standard that you're going to hold up, that you're going to read, that you're going to say, Lord, this is the, the authority in my life. Nothing else goes. The Catholic Church is not an authority in my life. The Baptist Church is not an authority in my life. This thing is. But you know what I know also is that God sent people in through my life to teach me some things that are still getting me through this life. And if we're willing to stop and listen, the, the, the Lord, is will through your conscience, will get you where you need to be. 
I, I know I'm saved. I know I'm on my way to heaven, but my conscience is still there, and it still bothers me when I do something wrong. And what you got to do is you never sear that thing, never grieve the Holy Spirit, never quench the Holy Spirit in your life, and he'll guide and direct your life. Father, thank you for your blessings this morning.